0: Welcome back, MeSuite listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next-generation leaders who strive to be both career-oriented and life-minded. The MeSuite podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C-suites lead the companies we most admire. The C-suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, Is everything running smoothly in our day-to-day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. On today's episode of the Me Suite, we focus on the role of the chief operating officer, the COO in the C-suite, and I have a very special guest here today. He might call me colleague. I call him former boss. His name is Tom Schwanger, and he has spent the bulk of his career at one of the leading technology and consulting companies in the world, Accenture, and recently moved into a new role as president and COO at Viva. Viva is a leader in cloud-based software solutions for regulated industries, and they are extremely lucky to have Tom. He's a dad of two. He is in a wonderful relationship with his beautiful wife, and I am thrilled to have him here today to continue to learn. Welcome, Tom Schwanger.
1: Thank you very much, Don. It's great to reconnect with you and i uh, definitely missed the opportunity to work side by side with you every day, but it's, it's great to reconnect when we get the chance. So thanks for inviting me.
0: Wonderful. I did think of you as a prime interviewee for the me Suite because in your leadership role, when we had a chance to work together, you instituted something that I called quite innovative and progressive. It was very common for us to have meetings where there's an agenda, it has eight items on it, it's always the very last item called people topics. And it was very common to go to a meeting and completely run out of time and never get to the last topic that was called people updates. And when you took over a very significant leadership role when we were working together, you flipped everything on its head and you made the first item on every agenda, the people topics. And I found that to be an extremely simple but yet very symbolic leadership move. And I think people have a lot to learn from what you did there. And I thank you for doing it.
1: Well, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, I do think a lot of times it's the little things that people really do notice. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit in our discussion here today.
0: Wonderful. Well, you know that I start with core values. So let's start there, please. Uh, What are yours and how do you use them to guide key decisions in your life?
1: Sure. So thanks. Thanks for the question. And Allowed me to reflect a little bit um, recently as as I've gone through the change that you just described, and each of these has served me well over the last year as I've as I've changed careers. But if I had to boil it down to three, the first one I think you and I share, Donna, which is curiosity. Uh-huh. Um, I sort of think of that myself as learning. You know, I was the I was the kid when I was young who stayed up beyond his bedtime with a flashlight under the covers uh, to keep reading books. <laughs> um, and, and that, you know, fortunate for me, that's, that stayed with me for my life. I, I think continuous learning is, is, is critical to all of us as we go through not only our careers, but our personal lives as well. So that bubbles to the top for me. Um, my second one is one I, I don't think is, is, all, is as common on people's list, which is, which is adaptability and flexibility. Um, and that's the the desire and the, the eagerness to embrace uncertainty and the unknown. Certainly, I don't know if it, if consulting was a good career for me because of that, or I developed that core value because of consulting. It's a little bit of chicken and the egg. But you know, as as uncertain as that career was, I never got tired of the the unknown and the fact that you know I really didn't know where I was going to be or what I was going to be doing in three or six months. Um, and I think that uh, that ability to embrace uncertainty is is important for all of us. Yeah. So especially in today's business world, because, you know, while that was unique to consulting 10 years ago, that sort of defines business in the world today. So that ability to be flexible and embrace that, I think is important. And the third one is is integrity, which, which a lot of people would, would put on their list. And as I thought about that, I, I think about it in and, and I don't. By the way, just to be clear, I don't always live up to all three of these, but I use them as a as a guide, as a guidepost for myself. But but I, I think of that as the as selflessness as well. So it is an integrity for the purposes of holding yourself out there and saying, you know, look look how virtuous I am. But it's it's really thinking about other people and and putting others' needs in front of yours and making sure you're doing the right thing. I, one of my newer mentors has pointed out to me. You know, sometimes think about decisions that you have to make as if your mom and dad were standing over your shoulders. Ah. Um, and would they approve the decision that you're making? Yeah. And I think if, you, if, you're, if you're doing that, then you're, you're probably hitting the integrity point. So those are my three.
0: I, I love your three. And that comment that you made about making decisions as if your parents are standing over you gave me goosebumps. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting way to think about it, isn't it? Yeah, I love that.
1: So, and I also had one other quote that stuck with me. I wouldn't call it a core value, but it's it's something that's guided me since earlier in my career, uh, which one of my early mentors said to me, which is, "If you take care of your people and you take care of your customers, everything else will take care of itself." yeah, um, and I find that to be very powerful as well and those two those two elements of of people and customer service have really served me well and um, are things that i kind of anchor back to when I have to make a tough decision or, you know, hit one of those crossroads in in my career that we come to.
0: Yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing that and giving it so much thought. So let's shift gears a moment. You're the president and COO, chief operating officer at Viva. Let's start with the definition of what does that mean?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I've actually learned a lot in this process as I've uh, made this career switch. Uh, It turns out that the role of the COO tends to be defined a little bit differently in different industries. So this is the, um, the high-tech or software industry definition of COO, uh, which is all about the responsibilities that touch the customers directly. Mm-hmm. So within Viva, it's really three organizations. It's um, the sales organization, so that's the, the sales force and the associated support organization around it. It's the services organization, so these are all of the professional services and consulting-type people that... That, that are on the ground day to day working with customers, mm. and then it's also what we call the strategy group, um, which can be thought of as well as a go-to-market function. So these are the people who are responsible for defining the markets that we serve mm. and helping to set the direction for the company in terms of how we think about new and existing market market service. So those are the those are the three areas that define the role of the COO. It's um, it's it's not really in, in some other industries it can be a little bit more of an operational role with operations responsibilities internally. That's not the case um, in in Viva. It's more the external uh, functions of the organization. So that's the piece that I've got responsibility for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. And are there certain mindsets and disciplines for the way that you look at the world that are skills or food for thought for us that are trying to build a me-sweet mindset?
1: yeah if I think about that question the history that I've had in consulting has has I think um, somewhat served me well in, in in setting me up for this for this role and responsibility because at the end of the day there's there's a couple of big pieces of this role that are that are critical um one is around people management and leadership at the the those three functions that I mentioned encompass about half of the the employees at Piva so I've got responsibility for um, and I take that responsibility quite, quite seriously for a large number of people within the company. Mm-hmm. So, so making sure that we're creating career opportunities and giving people the, the, the environment that they need to thrive in their careers is critical and in, in making that and helping to make that organization successful. So there, there's a big people component to it. Um, and then obviously there's a big customer component to it as well. So. Being tuned into the needs of customers is, is incredibly important, and especially for us, where we serve a very specific um, industry, which is life sciences, which is where I spent the majority of my time in my consulting days, it means that I, I come to this with uh, a certain amount of existing knowledge of the industry and relationships with some of the, the key mm. customers as well. So both of those have been been pretty critical. And then to take your question to the next step, you know how how we you know how you translate those to your your personal life, your personal brand, the the me sweet mindset. Mm-hmm. When I think about you know that that quote before of taking care of your people, taking care of your customers, some of the ways that I've done that I think are you know may have some applicability across both work and personal lives. Um, on the people front, you know you mentioned just flipping the order of people topics. That that is a common one where where people topics often get you know, abbreviated or cut off at the end of meetings. So starting everything with the, with the people topic is one, is one strategy. Um, another that I tried to, um, and I, again, I didn't always, wasn't always able to, uh, to live up to this, but I tried to make a practice is whenever I was meeting with people that worked with or for me, um, especially for things like reviews and that sort of thing, which are always very important to people and critical parts of their personal development, I always tried to make them as comfortable as possible in those situations. So, mm. in my in my virtual world, I would always um, I would always travel to them. So, it, it, again, not a very big thing, but but it sends a message if you're the one traveling to your you know to your or your direct reports location to have that meeting with them, so that they're on they're in a place they're comfortable with that they're mm-hmm. that they're familiar with, um, and then critically important for those types of meetings or quite frankly any any meeting with your with your people. Um, showing up on time, you may remember that about me as well, Donna. yeah, i am I am a bit of a stickler about punctuality, yeah, um not not because of any kind of militant perspective that I have, which I don't, but it's more about respect, right? You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't show up for a customer late, so I don't think you you should show up for for one of your own employees late either. I think I think it's uh. I think it's a very visible sign of respect that that is not not overly difficult for all of us to live up to. It, it can be tough sometimes with the the crazy world around us. but but those are the types of things that you know, I, I, tried to, I tried to emulate in my actions so that people saw that it really was important. Yeah. So that's the people side. On the customer side, you know, especially for all of us that are in businesses that serve customers, you know, it's tempting and sometimes easy to become cynical. Um, and I, I do try to fight against that and find ways to really have great admiration for the customers that I serve. And I've felt that way through my whole career. Um, and I always thought that, especially working in life sciences, that's that's maybe a little bit easier to do, given that a lot of the work that they're doing is very life saving. But even as I expanded into some other industries um, in my Accenture career, you know, I was able to find that reason to admire the customers that I, and the clients that I work with, both as individuals and as companies. You know, so I've had a chance to work with some great companies in consumer goods and retail. And it really, if you, if you look, it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take a lot of effort. But if you make the effort to look um both at the individual and the company level, you can find some real aspects to admire. And and I, I I always think that especially if you're in a customer service business, finding that genuine admiration for your customers is it gives you a lot of energy and to do what you do. And I think both those concepts, the respect for people and the admiration for customers, if you mm. if you search for those in your personal life or in your personal brand as well. I think there's some real opportunity and ways that that can translate over to the personal side as
0: well. Yeah, I love this. And I want to talk about a few things. The one about the respect, when you mentioned be on time, it's just respectful. I have to come clean here on the, uh, on the, <laughs> on the me Suite, uh podcast. I had sent you a preparation email, and I was rereading it as we were getting ready for today's episode. And I recognized I had three typos. In my email. <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember if I, were, if I was practicing my own, what's the expression? Taking my own medicine. Mm-hmm. If, if I was taking my own medicine, that was unacceptable. Because I mm-hmm. would never do that to a customer. And, and out of respect for other people, if, you're, if you send something in, it's littered with typos, it looks like you didn't care enough. So I was horrified when I saw that I had done that. It's almost an equivalent of showing up late to, in my mind. Um, the good news
1: is, while well, I usually notice that kind of stuff. I didn't in this case.
0: So. <laughs> all right. So I get a little uh, me sweet, get out of jail free card. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I brought it up. Um, and and then the oh, that's other... integrity
1: there. That's all that is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, There we go. That's integrity. Uh, but I did have this little pain in my stomach. Oh, crap. It's Tom. I had typos. <laughs> so, Tom, I always like to ask our guests if they have a sweetener.
1: I think if I, if I reflect on some of the other things that we've talked about in this discussion, Donna, one of the things that's kind of resonated for me over time, um, and it's kind of a two-part piece of advice, and it's, on the one hand, it's don't oversteer too much your career, mm. and I'll explain what that means in a second, and then the other one is don't let others define your path for you, and I think they're very related, and what, what I mean by both of them is, you know, make sure you're grounded in your core values, make sure you know what's important for you. But beyond that, you know, I definitely think there's something to letting your work life sort of evolve as it's going to evolve. And um, maybe that's unique to the experiences that I've had, but I've certainly seen a lot of people that get very focused on certain, what I would call sometimes sort of artificial goals that they're looking to achieve. Not artificial goals, but maybe arbitrary is a better word. Mm -hmm. So I want to work in this specific space only, and and I'm going to I'm going to push back against anything, even if it's interesting, that isn't in that space. Or, you know, on the personal side, by the time I'm X years old, I want to have done, you know, one, two, and three things. And and often those things, I think, get defined by other people, which I think is sometimes misleading for us. And often also, they, they limit you from taking advantage of opportunities. And it gets to that flexibility in the unknown that we talked about before, which uh-huh. is, if you're going to, you know, if you're staying true to your core values, if you're staying you know, true to the things that you think are important to you. You know, take a chance, do things that maybe you didn't think you were cut out for, or weren't 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 exactly the right things for you. If they, you know, if they look like they're either interesting or they provide you the opportunity to add value in a different way. And I'll tell you, with some of the biggest moves that I've made, including the, the recent career change, it's really rare that I've looked back on those and said, you know, wow, I really wish I, you know, not made the move, not not taken a chance and stayed where I was. We all sort of know that, I think, innately, but really focusing on giving up a little bit of that control as long as you're grounded in the right areas and letting life and your career take you where it's going to take you, I think is is one of the things that, that sometimes serves me well. So that's my last piece of advice.
0: I remember in my consulting life, I always would say to myself, there's no such thing as a perfect role. It might Mm -hmm. be in an industry that you like, but not the city that you like. It might be a city that you love, but it's not the mentor you wanted to work for. It might be the perfect mentor, but it's not in the industry or or on on a type of work you wanted. And I always had this philosophy of pick the one thing that matters the most now. Is it an industry you want to learn about? Is it a mentor you want to shadow? Is it a country you want to work in? And go after it. Mm -hmm. And then all the other things seem to fall in place. And I had remembered I had been begging and begging to work on a merger and acquisition type of a project.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: finally, somebody said, yes, there's a merger and acquisition project. And I got all excited. And then someone said, it's in change management. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want to do change management. I hate change management. But it's M&A and I asked for it. I got to take it. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, you know, what, what the end of the story must be is it's m I, <laughs> I hated, know what the end of
1: the story is. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I hated change management, but then I ended up finding the most amazing mentor in my career. Uh, it was in this area that I thought I hated. I ended up loving it. I ended up having tremendous respect for it. And, and it, it really changed the entire trajectory of my career. That's
1: uh, really interesting. I didn't, you had never told me that story before. And I... I actually had a very similar thing very early in my career as well. I, yeah. uh, so when I was in college, I started out um, as a more with a more technical major. I started in computer science, uh-huh. and I switched halfway through to the College of Business because I was convinced that I didn't want to be that technical. And so when I first got a job with what was Anderson Consulting at the time, uh-huh. um, I didn't know much about what I wanted to do, but the only thing I knew is that I didn't want to be technical because of what I had gone through in college. <laughs> But I happened to be, you know, a, a, an experienced programmer at that point. I did a lot of programming in high school and college. Mm-hmm. And when you first started at Anderson at those days, what you did was a programming course. And so I intentionally sort of, you know, slowed down on the the programming to uh, to make sure I didn't get tagged as a technical person. Um, because the one thing I knew coming out of that is I didn't want to get assigned to a technical role. Um, well, of course, you know the way it works. I wound up getting not only getting assigned to a technical role, but found myself loving it. And I was in deeply technical roles for the first four or five years of my career, which was, you know, 180 degrees different than what I thought would have, you know, would would have most excited me. Yeah. Um, And so so it's, it is amazing how often those things that we think we know um, about the future are, 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 you know, our best guesses in in a point of uncertainty. Um, And we need this to remain flexible to, uh, to adapting to to what, uh, you know, what, what business and life throws at us. But, but also that you know we may find that what we thought isn't always exactly the um, the, the right answer for us as we go along. Yeah, so, very similar experience.
0: So Tom, let's turn the tables and look at the world from the other point of view. Are there lessons that you have learned in your relationship, in the raising of your kids, that you bring into the workplace? It's a
1: great question. I, I will tell you when I think about my role as a as a as a husband and as a, and as a father. Um, there is, you know, one of the things that occurs to me is there there's not much that's more humbling than than being a parent. Yeah. Um, it definitely yeah. is something that it can be, be very difficult at times and also can be uh it it, it can very much it can teach you a lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the ones that, that Audrey and I have learned, um, just having two kids, and I, I can only imagine this is amplified for those who have more than two children, is the the degree to which um, people are fundamentally unique in their own way. Mm. So, despite being in the same environment, in the same family, the the degree to which our two kids, so um, our son Michael, our daughter Abby, um, get along great. They're two and a half years apart, but they're also just so different that you know you you think about that 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 eternal question of nature versus nurture. Um, and what you realize is that you know nature nature has a pretty good hand to play in that, mm-hmm. in that equation, <laughs> um, and there's there's a lot of things that kids are just the people are just fundamentally born with, um, and and because of that, you know we wind up interacting with each of them in, in a slightly different way because they're very very different people, and they're always going to be, and and a lot of the differences are fundamental to who they are, and when I think about that, and I think about sort of flexibility in the workplace and the ability to effective in managing people and in managing groups of people you know I, I do reflect a lot on that fundamental concept that um, you need to get to know people as individuals because how you interact with them will be different based upon what you understand about about how they operate and that is something that um, you know I'm, I'm constantly finding myself sort of switching back and forth between my work life and my personal life and and I don't think those two things you know one of the lessons that I've learned is you know, sometimes people like to talk about completely separating work and uh, personal life. I don't think that's always possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, especially we spend so much time at work and we spend so much time with the people that we interact with at work. That you know, if you don't spend the time to get to know them as people and through that understand how best the the two of you um, in whatever whatever relationship that is at, in, in a work construct, you know, that's critical to making that making that relationship work, whether it's in you know, your personal life with your kids or in in the work life with people who, you know, in in many situations you're spending, you know, almost as much time with as you're spending with your your family. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a big learning that translates back and forth between work and family.
0: Someone was interviewing for a job where you and I used to work, and they were asking me what was it like to work in Tom Schwanger's organization. And I just answered in one very simple sentence, and I just said, Tom creates a very human environment. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, and that kind of sums it all up. And so I, I appreciate you uh, being the human in, in my environment and approaching everything from a people-first perspective. And I appreciate you sharing yourself with the listeners on the Me Suite today. Thank you for being in my life, Tom Schwanger. Thank you, Donna
1: Peters. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast. Share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at theme suite.com. That's the me suite.com. Suite like executive suite. That's the me suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life minded.